Teravine and knocks it up to Ajo. He and Jarvis into the Calgary zone. Ajo in on, and he scores! What a move! Sebastian Ajo picking up where he left off last year in this building. Gets the Canes out to the hot start. It's 1-0 Carolina. Quick chance there for Stasny. Now it's another opportunity for Nason. That goes wide. Chatfield hammers one. Markstrom with a save. Still loose. Stasny has it. Back for DeHaan. DeHaan fires and scores! Calvin DeHaan was ready. And he puts it past Markstrom. And the Canes go up 2-0. Calgary now into the Canes zone. Dropping the puck was Kadri. Then a quick shot. They'll score. Brett Ritchie caught Rontalini, and we're tied at two. Kadri, his shot right on, rebound available. Ronta makes one save, Huberto to the rebound. Now kept in Anderson, he'll wrist one, that goes wide. Net front presence all around there as Dylan Dubé was in front of Ontario. Slavin finding Burns just out of the reach of Burns, but he'll tee it up. His shot right on rebound out front. Aho tries to get a stick to that one. Nason charging in. 13 seconds left in the period. Aho with it. Tries to center it again. Does for Stephanie. Scores! Oh, excellent work by the Canes with a change in Derek Stepan's first of the year. Puts Carolina up with a big punch. Three to two. Aho centers it across. Hits the side of the net. Still on the goal line. It's pushed through. They're going to wave it off. Oh, the Canes crash the net. Tara Vinen and Jarvis tried to push it through Markstrom, but it's waved off. And we stay tied at two in Calgary. Anderson down the lane around Aho. Centers it in front. That's gone. point but calgary will take the win welcome to the canes corner podcast with your host adam gold the canes corner podcast is a part of the capital broadcasting podcast network and now here's adam welcome to the canes corner podcast i am adam gold 126 a.m Carolina loses in overtime to Calgary, 3-2. They will head to Vancouver for a a late-night game on Monday. 10.30 start. So by the time we get to the Canes Corner podcast, the morning after podcast, it'll almost be the evening after podcast. I kid. It's what we do, right? We watch the Hurricanes and we talk about the Hurricanes after the Hurricanes do whatever the, whatever it is they decide to do on that given night. Uh, Excuse me. We are going to delve into Kane's Twitter here for a little bit because Kane's Twitter is unusually early to becoming crazy. But anyway, there's a lot of things that were good about this game and there were a lot of things that were bad about this game. But you know what? No matter, good or bad, it's all brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Sammy Hanna's crew do a great job. You check them out online, aluminumcompany.com. You want to make your home more beautiful, more energy efficient? Windows, roofing, siding, gutter helmets, whatever it is, they got it. And the best customer service in the industry, aluminumcompany.com. Here were some good things. The start was good. Oh, was the start good. Sebastian Ajo scored a minute 44 in. The start was great. Ajo was great. Best forward on the ice for Carolina. Best player on the ice probably for 
Carolina. Jordan Martinook was really good tonight. Stefan Nason was really good tonight. Derek Stepan was really good tonight. Jacob Slavin was really good tonight. Paul Stasny was very good tonight. I know they gave up a, a, a power play goal, but I thought the penalty kill was very good tonight. So a lot of things to the good. But there were some things to the bad. Seth Jarvis didn't play well. Tavo Teravainen looked like it was going to be a different game for him at the beginning, but I think Turbo's game waned starting in the second period, but nobody was good in the second period. Well, it's hard to tell because the Hurricanes never had the puck in the second period. Uh, Jordan Stahl continues to struggle. We didn't get the same performance out of the Kokaniemi line, although... In the third period, they were probably Carolina's best line. Well, other than the Stasny, Stepan, Nason line. That was Carolina's best best line tonight. And that's never a good thing. When your fourth line is your best line, you're probably not winning the game. Uh, so uh, we individually, we picked out some things that weren't good. The goal that made it 2-2. As I said on Twitter, if you thought Yevgeny Svechnikov's goal for San Jose against Antti Ranta was a bad goal, wait till you get a load of this one. Now, I don't want to say that the first thing that crossed my mind was, ah, I think that's one that Scott Darling might have stopped, but maybe. Gosh, Ranta clearly cheating towards the middle, but the, the thing is, the shot came from so far out that you really didn't have to cheat. You had so much time. Ronta just, I think, fell asleep. He anticipated that it was going to be a pass, not a shot, because why would you shoot it from there? Except you got to make sure he doesn't shoot it from there. And uh, the puck goes off of Ronta and in. And when your power play, if you knew your power play was going to be this bad, maybe Ronta would have stopped that puck. I don't know. The power play was terrible. We'll uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But, yeah, the power play was absolutely dreadful. But the bad goal, that didn't help matters. Uh, the overtime, I didn't like Carolina's overtime at all. Uh, there were moments where you could tell that they valued possession, but it almost seems like they got bored. Is there a shot clock that we don't know about? Because if it's probably a good strategy. To just maintain possession of the puck and never shoot it until you get the perfect opportunity. Goalies are too good, and you're not going to get a net front presence, so there's no traffic in front. It's just a skills competition in the three-on-three. So once you get possession of the puck, you should just be skating and probing until you get the perfect opportunity. And Carolina didn't do that. That's the, the, to me, it was an impatient overtime. And look, over you don't have to entertain people, especially on the road. The idea is just to win the game. And uh, I didn't think Carolina treated the overtime with the proper respect. And then the power play. Ugh. All right, we'll get to it. But the power play was really bad. Uh, and the power play was... The first one in the first period, that was terrible. 
the next one in the third period to start the third period. Uh, it was better, but it wasn't amazing. It had only one shot on goal. There were uh, there were shots, but only one on goal. And then the final power play, the four minute Blake Col- Coleman double minor for uh, cross checking. Brent Burns in the mouth, drawing blood. That was one of the worst four-minute power plays I've ever seen. One of the worst four-minute power plays I have ever, ever, ever seen. Carolina, for four minutes, had three shot attempts. Attempts. Two of them on goal, both late. It was just absolutely dreadful. And it was soul-sucking. Carolina had nothing for the rest of that game. And maybe that's what they were still feeling the effects of in overtime because I didn't think the overtime was all that good. But, man, I got a couple of questions about the power play. Um, the, the first one for me is just fundamental. I think you want, you need to have a one-timer sitting out there somewhere, so somebody on their offside, like, I know Carolina doesn't have a Steven Stamkos or a Patrick Lyonet or an Alexander Ovechkin, but those guys destroy from their offside because that's the one-timer side. Alexander Ovechkin is a right shot, and his office is the left dot. Same thing with Steven Stamkos, the left dot. So on the first unit, when you've got Natchez and Svechnikov, put Svechnikov on the right and Natchez on the left. I do the same thing with Tavo Teravainen when he was on the first power play unit, almost always played on the right side, even though he's a left shot. Because you want to be on your side that is better for the one-timer. I thought I could be wrong. I'm not the expert. But I like one-timer possibilities. And Carolina's got guys on their natural side. And it just takes a little bit longer. And speaking of, Seth Jarvis has to be ready to pull the trigger quickly. You just don't have enough time to gather the puck, load up, and then shoot it. You just have to get it away quickly, and probably you're not going to score if you hit the goalie right in the sea, as in Calgary, the flaming sea. So I didn't like the uh, the power play, and the, the last one, the four-minute power play, was just uh, absolutely awful. All right, real quick about Brent Burns, and this relates to the power play, so we'll take a, uh, a short pause after this. I've been saying it. I'll continue to say it until it's different. Brent Burns has been just okay. There we haven't and I'm I'm not bashing him. I think the It's a helicopter coming to get us. I think that for a defenseman playing Carolina's system, it is a very difficult thing to grasp right away. So I'm going to give Brent Burns the benefit of the doubt. He'll be fine. He's too good a skater, too big a body, too good an offensive player to not work out. 
So that will be fine. But there are people who are already done. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I'm like, no, man, he's not terrible. It's just hard. They've played five games. And not to defend the team or the head coach, the schedule hasn't done him any favors. It's hard to have a lot of time off. In uh, in past years, they would do a three- or four-game Western trip, and they would do it in six days. Like, Carolina played um, that first Wednesday. Then they played Friday in San Jose. And then you get two days off before Monday in Seattle. Then you get two days off before Thursday night in Edmonton. Like, it is pretty remarkable that when Monday's game is over, they will have played six times in the first, I think, 12 days of the season. But then they don't play again until Friday. It's three days off. It's not that they haven't played as many games as anybody else. They have, but that's a lot of off time at the start of the season. And Carolina, you had the big gap in between the last preseason game and the regular season game. It, you know, in years past, you would play three West Coast teams in four days and then fly back. And that's a much better road trip. Carolina could, believe it or not, Carolina could use a back-to-back. <laughs> they they could. They have to get into a rhythm. But the schedule has not done them any favors. All right, let's go through uh, a couple of key moments in the game, including uh, including the goals. Sebastian Ajo got it started. A minute 44 in, Tavo Teravainen picked up a loose puck at center ice. He gets it to Ajo, and Ajo, actually, I know it's going to shock you, he went five-hole, but it worked. Teravainen knocks it up to Ajo. He and Jarvis into the Calgary zone. Ajo in, and he scores! What a move! Sebastian Ajo picking up where he left off last year in this building. Gets the Canes out to the hot start. It's one nothing Carolina. There was a lesson to be learned here from the Ajo goal, and the lesson I hope will be learned by Sebastian Ajo. Speed. Because it happened in the run of play and it wasn't Ajo coming in on a long breakaway and he came in from the left side, kind of wide, slashing across in front of the goal, opening up Jacob Markstrom, who did just what Freddie did the other day, uh, where Freddie had a, a stick was useless because it was just like he was just waving it in the air to the outside the goal if somebody is coming in on a breakaway, your your stick has to be on the ice. Whether you're going to try and poke check or just defend your five hole with the big blade of your stick. But Markstrom didn't do that either. And Ajo slipped at five hole was one nothing Carolina. I believe that was the 144 mark. Then the fourth line continues to be excellent. Paul Stasny, Derek Stepan, and Stefan Nason was Carolina's best line tonight. If I told you that they did not give up a shot attempt at five on five, that line did not allow a shot attempt, and they had 12 of their own. That's how good the line was. 
had the puck all the time. So good for them. Good for them. And it led, ultimately, to this. Quick chance there for Stasny. Now it's another opportunity for Nason. That goes wide. Chatfield hammers one. Markstrom with a save. Still loose. Stasny has it. Back for DeHaan. DeHaan fires and scores! Calvin DeHaan was ready. And he puts it past Markstrom. And the Canes go up 2-0. There were so many chances on that shift alone. We didn't even get all of them in that highlight. Stefan Nason had a, uh, a deflection try. Paul Stasny probably should have scored. Before DeHaan had the chance to score, uh, but Stasny redirected a pass, a uh, centering pass, which I was, I believe was from Stepan, and he redirected it wide. Uh, but it was good to see Calvin DeHaan get a goal, wasn't it? So good for that. Uh, by the way, on that goal, Stefan Nason, I actually thought that Nason had deflected the pass, the, the puck in. It must have gone off something else on the way in. It just looked that way to me. But Calvin DeHaan gets the goal his first of the season. Uh, but it went the other way, started going the other way, when Jordan Stahl was called for what I thought was an incredibly bad penalty call for this reason. So there's no doubt that Nazem Kadri tripped over Jordan Stahl's stick. Of course, there is some doubt because I think Kadri threw himself down. Uh, Kadri knew the stick was there. He backed into it, and then he spun himself down like a top. And Jordan Stahl, key penalty killer, goes to the box. He's not on the ice to take your face off. You lose the draw. The puck never leaves the zone. And Nazem Kadri bangs it in. Great shot, by the way. Um, I think it was, not sure if it was Huberdeau's shot. Doesn't matter. Good shot. Ronta gives up a rebound, which, understandable, was a great shot. Uh, and then Kadri basically uh, half volleys, got all, all the wood on it, half volleys it uh, over Brett Pesci and passed Ante Ranta for the uh, the first goal of the game for Calgary. That made it 2-1. But I think from that point on, Calgary was no worse than as good. And for the entirety of the second period, they were way, way better. Way better. Uh, so now we get to the second period. And frankly, in Ante Ranta's other start in San Jose, Evgeny Svechnikov scored for the Sharks. I believe it was the first goal of the game. And it was a shot just because, well, I'm going to get off the ice here. Let me just throw it at Ronta and get an offensive zone faceoff. That's what that's what teams do. It's okay. It's okay to, uh, let me just throw it at the goalie. He'll freeze it. Now we'll have an offensive zone faceoff. Maybe we can run a set play. Get our best line out there, and we'll see how it shakes out. That's normal. Well, Svechnikov's shot went in past Ranta, and you could tell he was disgusted by it. But if I tell you that that was a great shot, sniper city, upper 90, blocker side high type of a goal compared to this one that Ranta gave up, it's just ugly.
Calgary now into the Kane zone. Dropping the puck was Kadri. Then a quick shot will score. Brett Ritchie caught Ronta leading. And we're tied at two. It's just a bad goal. There's just no other way around it. It's just a terrible goal. It's two games now, bad goal in each game. You got away with it against San Jose because San Jose is no good. You didn't get away with it against Calgary because Calgary is good. They are very good. Um, and I know statistically it will look like Carolina was the better team tonight, but they weren't. Calgary was the better team tonight. Second period was all-encompassing. It's amazing that the Hurricanes didn't give up anything other than the bad goal. Um, all right, then we get to the third period. All right, let's just talk about the third period very quickly. Power play, Carolina had three of them. They gave up the first power play again, but no goal. Uh, again, after the power play goal by Kadri, I thought the Hurricanes' penalty kill was excellent. Didn't give them a chance to be excellent the first time, but the other three, I thought they were excellent. But on the Hurricanes' own power play, my gosh, was it bad. And it was bad at the worst possible time. Like Even when it was good, I didn't think it was great. And it bothered me that they didn't have one-timers really at any point except the guy at the blue line. I mean, Brent Burns is there to take shots, right? But didn't happen. But all the other forwards weren't good either. Tavo Teravainen, Seth Jarvis. Um, I mean, they could use a little jam on the power play. I know it's going to sound weird, but I think they need Jordan Stahl out there or Jordan Martinook, one of the Jordans. Maybe a Jordan on each unit. I don't know. They have to get heavier in front of the goal. And they were not tonight. Uh, and if Stefan Nason isn't going to do it, I know he scores a lot of goals from in tight, but I, I don't see a lot of mucking it up from Derek, from uh, Stefan Nason on the power play. But the, uh, the, the four-minute major, four-minute double minor was an absolute killer. Thought the fourth line was great. Already went over it. Paul Stasny really fit well there. Uh, Derek Stepan can play the right side. They moved Stefan Nason over to the left side. And I thought they were effective. And I thought they were Carolina's best line. And if your fourth line is your best line, you probably didn't win the game. Tavo Teravainen and Seth Jarvis continue to be, at best, sporadic. I thought Jarvis was sporadic today. There were times where he was really good. He made a very good defensive play in the third period. He had a couple of really good scoring chances that were created for him by others, um, but he didn't get the goal, and on the second chance, which he shot right into Markstrom's flaming C, he was just a little too slow. And again, I don't like them on the... I like Seth, I would rather see Seth Jarvis on the left side of the power play than on the right side. You have to have one-timer possibilities, I believe. Uh, so, and Jordan Stahl wasn't good. I mean, he wasn't, Jordan Stahl is never bad, but the way this has gone so far on this road trip, that most teams are trying to get their best players out against the Kokaniemi line or the Ajo line. They're not interested in going up against Jordan Stahl. They're not interested even in going up against the fourth line. 
there was some of Calgary's best line, which I believe, whether they played that well tonight or not, the Lindholm-Huberdeau line, there was some of that on Kokaniemi's line and Ajo's line. But for the most part, Stahl, Faust, and in this case, Martinuk, they're not getting other dynamic scores. They're getting bottom, you know, bottom six wingers to deal with, and they're just not creating enough. It was better tonight, but it wasn't great tonight. And that line needs to get back to being a puck possession, heavy, keep it in your end type of a line. And tonight it wasn't. Just like tonight, even though they were better in the third period, the Kokaniemi line with Svechnikov and Natchez wasn't great. It was probably their worst performance of the year. Again, wasn't terrible, but I think it would rank fifth among line performances for them this season. The Stasny step on Nason line was spectacular. It was great. They did not give up a shot against. No attempts when that line was on the ice. Absolute, utter domination. And again, I thought the Aho. Teravine and uh, Jarvis line, I thought that line was very good until late. I don't think they had a great third period, but I think Ajo played really well all night. And they need Teravine and Jarvis to not be as sporadic as they have been playing. Uh, With that said, I don't remember because it is now one... 50, if we talked at all about Brent Burns, I'm not concerned that Burns won't get it. But to this point, he's just been okay. And if that bothers you, I'm sorry. It's fair if it bothers you. I'm just, I'm not bothered by it because they've only played five games. If we're sitting here 15 games in and Brent Burns looks as ordinary as he does to me so far, well then, maybe it's something, a topic to discuss. But I don't believe that we are anywhere close to going, all right, what's wrong with Brent Burns? I don't think we're there at all. So uh, I'm not even going to spend a lot of wasted breath on it. But Carolina's got other players. We, We put so much emphasis on... Uh, Natchez and Svechnikov and Kokaniemi getting better, and it's interesting that they're all in the same line. And for the most part, that's been Carolina's best line. They weren't. They basically neutralized the Lindholm-Huberdeau line tonight. They just they were good, and they had a tough assignment, and they did very well with it. Which is why other lines need to be doing better than they have been doing. So the fourth line has been great, and um, but the Jordan Stahl line hasn't been great, and they need something to change there because if you think about it, Rod wants to play Jordan Stahl like 18 to 20 minutes a game, so he played under 13 minutes tonight. And part of that is because that line wasn't able to be used as a checking line, and Rod said, uh, either uh, yesterday or the day before, that he's not necessarily interested 
on the road for for uh, for certain in matching up. It's just not doesn't do it for him. He'd rather just this is this is our line. Here you go. I I'm putting this line out there. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I know at all, they get last change at home. That's fine. Rod doesn't care. But it only really works if all of the lines are going to be productive. And right now, Stahl and Faust and whomever is playing to their left have uh, not been very productive. Kane's Corner Podcast Morning After Edition brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it there at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. In the last two minutes of this podcast, can you tell it's late? It is now 154. Uh, in the last two minutes of this podcast, let's kind of take a look at the po- at the power play and uh, and just just we'll do Kane's Twitter from Mac Attack. Adam, please, for the love of God, talk about the Kane's power play for the morning after. I simply don't understand this enormous problem that has plagued this team for years. They tried the exact same zone entry on the right side five plus times in a row with the exact same result. Uh, yeah, the power play was bad tonight. Um, but over the last four-plus years with Rod Brindamore as the head coach, uh, their power play is in the top third of the league. I don't know what you want. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what you want. If it doesn't score, there are nights where the power play looks great. And there are nights where the power play looks like crap. Tonight, the power play looked like crap. But this is not... This is not a problem that has been plaguing this team forever unless your standard is we have to score 35% of the time on the power play. And by the way, I would point out that you that you don't score 65% of the time on the power play if you score 35% of the time on the power play. Was my math good there? The 4 minute the 4 minute double minor was awful. Was absolutely awful. Taylor on Twitter, this team is going nowhere. Same story, different year. But power play unacceptable with four-plus penalties a game is the recipe for another first or second round exit. Taylor, shut up. Gosh, I hate this. <laughs> Five games into the season, we are already made determinations about what the whole season is about. All I could say is, Taylor, you might be right. But stop being that guy five games into the year. But again, here's what I'm going to say. It's 156. And everybody's tired. When you blow a four-minute power play late in the third period, after 12 o'clock, 12.30 in the morning, I think everybody's just a little extra saucy about it. And that's all I got. Because my train of thought is out the window. I love all of you people. I do. Thank you very much for joining us in the Canes Corner Podcast. The Morning After Edition is available wherever you get your podcast. And uh, if you follow it, it just shows up automatically. All of my punch drunkiness shows up automatically in your phone uh, or wherever you get your podcast. And I would also invite you to check out the 25th anniversary Canes Corner Podcast. The episode that dropped on Wednesday was the second part of the 2002 team. That was a fun two-part 
episode to do. Actually, it was two episodes. Episode six, episode seven. By the way, episode eight and nine are still to come, but neither of them will drop on Wednesday of this week. We're, uh, we are delaying episode eight and nine until the following two weeks. So a little break from your 25th anniversary podcast. And with that said, I got to go to bed. I hope everybody has a good dog walk on a Sunday morning. I hope you have a good day, whatever it is you're going to do. And I hope your football team wins. My football team, Liverpool, did not today. Very disappointing. Or yesterday. I'll see everybody. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. The Canes Corner Podcast is a part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network.